You're listening to True Stories Told Live. Welcome to Speakeasy, where our tellers get on stage with their whole, authentic, beautifully human selves and speak their experience. No notes, just the memory of a life lived. On our stage, you'll hear humor, hope, embarrassment, disappointment, grief, lust, anger, love, remembrance, the whole brilliant and nuanced spectrum of what it is to live as individuals in community with others. Here at Speakeasy, our incredibly gracious audience holds all of it, sighing together, laughing together, crying together, and cheering our hearts out together. There's a symbiotic thing we've got going here between our tellers and our listeners, where each person creates that sacred space that just unflinchingly holds each other's stories, where we bear bits of our souls and bear witness. Join us the first Thursday of every month in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 p.m., where we gather at Wild Goose Creative, nestled in amongst the gallery's newest art exhibit. With a simple theme as inspiration, 10 tellers, sign up, brave up, step up in front of a microphone, and get honest. What you're about to hear is one of those stories. Hi. Um, So, um, just a heads up, this story um, ends up at my father's memorial service, um, which is kind of funny because... um, my first story that I told was last year at Mixtape, and the story was about the music that we played while my mother was being cremated. So, I don't know, I swear, I make, I'm fresh out of parents now, so next year I'll, you know, I'll tell about something else, I promise. Um, anyway, so when I was 18, um, I spent one semester in South Africa uh, working for an anti-apartheid organization. It was in 1980. Um, Nelson Mandela was in prison on Robben Island. Um, The white minority regime was very powerful, very brutal. It was many years of bloodshed and struggle before the end of apartheid. Um, And my connection with South Africa came through my father. Um, He was a journalist, and he wrote about many things, but one of them was South Africa. And he and I were never very close, but actually politics was one thing that we bonded over and that we both cared about. And as I grew older, we would talk about it. And we particularly were both very interested in, you know, what was happening in the struggle in South Africa and in Southern Africa. And I admired the fact that, you know, in this very disappointing world with so much, you know, justified cynicism, he really cared and he believed in the importance of caring, and I shared that with him. Um, And as you can imagine, as an American 18-year-old high school student, being in South Africa was a completely life-changing experience. Um, Being involved, even in a teeny tiny way, in a struggle which was so much bigger than myself and bigger than anything that I had ever even conceived of, um, and and the soundtrack was so good. You know, the South African freedom songs were so amazing. At any political rally, there were so many um, fantastic songs. And if you know, I felt like when you're singing something and it's real to you, real to you about justice, fighting for justice or freedom or even life, then it takes on a kind of fourth dimension of experience that's, that's, you know, not just like regular music. And if any of you have had the opportunity to go to a choir concert in a prison, you'll know what 
I'm talking about. I had the opportunity last weekend to um, go to a prison and hear an absolutely amazing concert. And um, the first song that they sang was Sia Hamba, which is a South African freedom song, which I didn't think was particularly coincidental. Um, and... Um, you know, it, it enters that fourth dimension. It's something that's not about individual experience. It's something kind of bigger about all of humanity. And that kind of music is not entertainment. It's something much deeper and much higher and much wider and much more powerful. And one of the most important songs in South Africa at that time was Nkosi um, Sikelele Africa, which is... Uh, which was the sort of aspirational national anthem of a future free South Africa. And of course that meant that it was banned by the government and you weren't allowed to sing it. So people sang it at, um, at rallies with their fists in the air and it was an act of political defiance and courage and hope. Um, now, while I was in South Africa, um, Zimbabwe, which is a country just to the north, became independent. And that was really exciting for the people in South Africa. It gave them some hope. You know, they were really, they could hardly even see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so Zimbabwe was, you know, very hopeful for them. And it made me want to go there. And at the next opportunity, I, I went and I worked in Zimbabwe. And um, I actually ended up going three separate times. And I lived there for a total of about five years. Um, and... Um, the second place that I worked in Zimbabwe was a uh, large rural boarding school where I taught for about two years, and um, it was called Mavudzi, and it had been set up especially for students who had been involved in the Zimbabwe's war of independence, was a very bitter, long uh, guerrilla uh, civil war. Um, and a lot of the students had been uh, refugees in a neighboring country, Mozambique, during the war, and others had been combatants fighting inside Zimbabwe, and also the teachers at the school. Some had been teachers in the refugee camps, and some had been combatants uh, during the war. So um, every morning, uh, 1,200 students would gather in a big open space in front of the administration building for what they called parade, which was uh, raising the flag and singing the national anthem. And um, as you can imagine, these people took that very seriously. Um, and many of them had military training. Many of the students had military training, so the raising of the flag was very impressive. And um, uh, the teachers, there was always a teacher who was on duty then. It was their responsibility to kind of oversee parade and also to select a student who would lead the singing of the anthem. And Zimbabwe's national anthem at that time was Ishe Komborera Africa, which is actually the same song as in Kosi Sikilela Africa, God Bless Africa, um, but sung in two of Zimbabwe's languages um, as opposed to uh, Zulu in South Africa. And uh, it's an interesting song because even though it was Zimbabwe's national anthem, it was also kind of an anthem of African unity and brotherhood and anti-colonial struggle. And at one time, there were actually five different nations um, which used a version of that song as their national anthem, and currently there are two. Um, so, and like many songs, in whatever language um, it is, many African songs, a call and response, one person starts and then everybody else comes in. So, um, when I was at Mavudzi, I was pretty young, and I was fairly isolated, excuse me, um, fairly isolated, and also pretty shy. So when I look back on it now, it's sort of hard for me to figure out 
why I decided instead of picking a student to just sing the anthem myself. Um, and I didn't ask anybody, I didn't ask permission, I didn't tell anybody, I just walked up onto the platform, which was pretty similar to this, and stood in front of the students and <clears throat> opened my mouth and began to sing. Ishe Africa. And with one voice, without hesitation or pause, 1,200 students sang back. And this was 1,200 students singing with their full voices and their full attention and full power and fully present. And that is not something that you experience every day. And for me, it was like, it was like flying. It was like, it was like soaring like an eagle. It was like, it was like surfing or body surfing or it was like that scene in Birdman when he just activates his powers and he just, you know, takes off. But at the same time, it wasn't just about me. It was about the community, and it was about their struggle, which they had you know, recently come out of. And it was about acknowledging the continuing tr struggle in South Africa. And it was about community. It was about the possibility of connectedness across this incredible divide of language and culture and, and experience. And nobody teased me. Nobody laughed at me. And I did it for the whole week, and it was just, you know, an amazing experience. So the years passed. I left Zimbabwe. I came back to America. Nelson Mandela was freed. South Africa became free. Nkosi Sikelela, a version of it, became South Africa's national anthem. And in my normal daily life in America, I really, I didn't have much opportunity or cause really to talk about South Africa or Zimbabwe or any of those things. You know, it kind of never came up with anybody. But I did continue to talk to my father about it. It was one thing we always, you know, talked about if we talked on the phone or, if, you know, if I saw him. And uh, he was pretty old school. He'd clip newspaper articles out of the paper and mail them to me, you know. Um, and that was nice. I enjoyed that connection with him about that. And you know, more years passed. He got older. He lived a long and, and wonderful life, and eventually he died. And a few months later, there was a memorial service. And <clears throat> um, my stepmother had some pretty uh, precise and grand ideas about what she wanted for the memorial service. And as much as they loved each other and the joy that she brought into his life, I was like, hey, more power to her, you know, whatever she wants. And, and that was great. It's just that, you know, I felt kind of tense and, you know, alienated, little alienated, kind of just emotionally blocked, like I was just there sort of doing what, I, you know, stand, okay, sit, you know, and then there was a speaker and a reader and somebody played a Mozart piano sonata and, you know, I wasn't really, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't cry, I hadn't really felt anything, I didn't even notice that I hadn't cried or felt anything, it just, I was all just sort of, you know, a little bit blocked there. And then towards the end of the service, a choir came up to sing. It, they were the Kumba Singers, which are an African and African-American group. 
And they came onto the stage, and one person began. And the others joined in. And I, the music just bypassed my brain and just went straight to my heart. And all of a sudden, I was crying. And all of a sudden, I felt that connection and that sorrow and that emotion that I wasn't even aware that I wasn't feeling. And... Um, There we were together, standing in the fourth dimension. Thank you.